Good evening, this is Orson Welles, your producer of a special series of broadcasts presented by the makers of Pat's Blue Ribbon, the Mercury Summer Theater of the Air. Tonight and every Friday night, Pat's Blue Ribbon presents you with a front row seat at one of the greatest plays ever produced. So, while America's famous producer, writer-director, Orson Welles, entertains you, pour yourself a tall, frosted glass of Pat's Blue Ribbon. And enjoy at the same time great theater and this truly great beer. Thirty-three fine brews blended into one great beer. This evening, Mr. Wells and the Mercury Players bring to the microphone The Great Romance by Alexander Dumas, The Count of Monte Cristo. Present the most talked-of men in Paris, the Count of Monte Cristo, the Baroness Mondiego. I am deeply honored. Count of Monte Cristo. Uh, what is it, Mercedes? Uh, are you ill? It's nothing, Fernand. Will you give me your arm, Count Monte Cristo? I am honored, Madame. Is it true, Count? What everyone is saying about you? What are they saying, Madame? You've seen so much, traveled so far, and suffered so deeply. I have suffered deeply, madame. Long ago, I loved a girl. I thought she loved me well enough to wait for me, and even to remain faithful to my grave. When I returned, she was married. You have forgiven her for all she was Scraping against the stones. <laughs> then all was silent. Soon it began again, nearer and more distinct. Perhaps, perhaps it was only a workman repairing a neighboring dungeon. I would soon find out. The sound continued. With my earthenware jug, I knocked against the wall where the sound came. Each time I knocked, the knocks were repeated on the other side of the wall. When I stopped knocking, the other also stopped. After that, there were no more sounds. The night passed in complete silence. I never closed my eyes. At last, on the fourth evening... Whoever it was was quite close to me now. I wanted desperately to help him, but I had nothing, no knife, a sharp instrument. I smashed my earthenware jug. That night, I moved my bed out from the wall moved it off from the wall and started to scrape the plaster with a piece of the broken jug. Soon the fragments of plaster began to fall away. In three days, I uncovered a large stone. And the next day, about noon, the stone began to move. Oh, my God. My God. Don't fail me now. Speak again. In the name of heaven, speak. Who are you? A prisoner. How long have you been here? Since the 28th day of February, 1815. And you? Since 1804. When he 
Oh, that night we worked. And then, just before dawn, a portion of the floor in my cell gave way. And from the bottom of this passage, the depth of which was impossible to measure, appeared the head and the shoulders, and lastly, the body of a man. In the prison, he was known as the Mad Priest. I never learned his name. For eight years, we saw each other every day. Using the tunnel he had dug through the solid rock, concealing the mouth of the passage with stones carefully fitted into place. By the sundial he had traced on the wall of his cell, we knew the hours of the guard's visit. The rest of the time we were together. He had been a great scholar in his day, and all that he knew, he taught me with infinite, with loving patience, day after day, year after year. Then one morning I found him standing in the middle of his cell, pale as death. Quick, Dantes, quick. Yes, Father. Listen to what I have to say. What is it, Father? I am dying. Help me to my bed. You see how my body is paralyzed already. Yes. Careful, careful. Yes, Thank you, my son. Now, listen to me. All is over with me. This night or tomorrow I shall be dead. Oh, but, but Father... Before I die, there is something I want to give you. Here, look, it is nothing but a half-burned piece of parchment. But have you ever heard of the great Sparta treasure? Sparta treasure? I've heard sailors talk of it. That paper you have in your hand is what is left to the will of Cardinal Sparta, murdered by Rodrigo Borgia. Now, take the paper and put the two pieces together. Yes. Uh, read. April 1498, I, I declare to my nephew Guido Sparta, my sole heir, that I have buried in a cave of the island. He knows all that I possess of ingots, gold... Monies, jewels, and diamonds, which treasure may amount to nearly ten millions of Roman crowns. Ten million crowns? Now, my son, with my dying breath, I leave this treasure to you. You must claim it. If ever you are free, you must go to the island, to the island of Monte Cristo. Two days later, in fearful agony, he died. I closed his eyes and laid him out to rest as well as I could. And the next morning, while I lay hidden in the cell, two guards came and brought an old sack in which to bury him. Then they went away for a stretcher. Quickly, I unlaced the sack, drew out the corpse of the priest, and carried it through the tunnel to my cell. I laid it out on my bed, turned the head to the wall, and covered it with a sheet. And for the last time, I kissed the ice-cold brow. Then went back to the dead man's cell. I could hear steps in the passage as the guards came back with the stretcher. Quickly, I got into the sack in the place of the corpse. I laced the sack around my body. I lay stiff, hoping they would not hear the beating of my heart. Here we go. You take the head. I take the feet. All right. Up she goes. Got him. Here we go. Funny thing. You feel him through the sack? Him dead 12 hours and he's still warm. <laughs> Pour it while I open this door. Oh, Lord, it's cold up here. <laughs> Little cool him off. If you've got the lead weight, tie it on around. 
on his feet. All right. That's right. Tight. And I'll see if you can make it any tighter. That's all right. That'll sink him, all right. All right, now. Are you ready? One. Two. Hey, wait. Wait a minute. Get nearer to the edge. The last one was smashing a rock and we got the blame for it. Uh, all right, then. Come on. I'm freezing. Let's go. One, two, three. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Orson Welles bringing you The Count of Monte Cristo, a Mercury Summer Theater production. You've just heard the first half of it. Our whole Mercury cast. Tonight it's mainly recruited from over on 54th Street from the Adelphi Theater. From the Mercury's latest production, the musical extravaganza around the world. Stefan Schnabel, Brainard Duffield, Guy Spall, who are severally responsible for Edmund Dante's downfall tonight, have lots to do with the success of Around the World. Mercedes, the lovely Mercedes, is the same lovely actress who appears every night as Molly Muggins over and around the world, and Julie Warren is her name. Julie Warren, you'll be running into that name often from here on in. Well, here it is, intermission time. In any summer theater, time for a brief meander in the moonlight of smoke and chat on such vital matters as suntans and golf scores. Just time enough for a nice, tall, frosted glass of where is Ken Roberts? He's supposed to come in at this time and say, Pat's Blue Ribbon. I'll say it for him. Pat's Blue Ribbon. Mr. Wells, the Count of Monte Cristo never spoke more romantic words. For what blends more beautifully with a June evening than blended, splendid Pat's Blue Ribbon? And for a very good reason. Every single drop of this truly great beer is always the satisfying result of careful blending. Yes, only by blending never less than 33 fine brews can Pabst create that perfectly blended flavor. Not too light, not too heavy, but fresh, clean, sparkling, with the real beer taste coming through just the way you like it. Only by this famous blending process can Pabst give you that remarkable Pabst Blue Ribbon smoothness. Friends, these days, when occasionally your dealer may be unable to supply you with all the Pabst Blue Ribbon you'd like, please keep on asking. For remember, as always, you'll enjoy the same flavor, the same smoothness, the same blended, splendid Pabst Blue Ribbon. Thirty-three fine brews blended into one great beer. Thirty-three fine This is Orson Welles again, ladies and gentlemen, and just time for the second act curtain of the great romance by the great romancer Alexander Dumas, an old Mercury favorite, The Count of Monte Cristo. In September 1834, there appeared in Marseille a man of about 40, of a pallor that was almost livid. He gave the impression of one who had been enclosed for a long time in a tomb. This man inquired for a tailor of the city called Caderousse. My name is Caderousse, monsieur. There are a few questions I'd like to ask you, monsieur Caderousse. 
In the year 1814, did you know a young sailor by the name of Dantes? Dantes? Yes. Why do you ask? Is he alive? He died in prison. And with his last breath, gave me the names of the people here who were his friends. One of them is you, Caderousse. The second is a man called Danglars. Danglars? The third, a certain Fernand Mondiego. Do you know these men? Know them. Do you realize who sent Dantes to prison? No, tell me. Two men who were jealous of him. One for love and one for ambition. Mondiego and Danglars. I thought these two were his friends. They denounced him as a traitor. They knew he had a letter from Napoleon in exile. Uh, something his dying captain had given him. Uh, and it looked bad. Which of the two denounced him? Both. Danglars was the sharp one. He wrote the letter. And Mondiego put the letter in the but post. why? Why was this Danglars jealous of him? He wanted his job. They, they were mates together on the same ship. When the old captain died, and the owners made young dentist captain, Danglars never forgave him. The other, this, uh, Mondiego... What did he have against Dantes? A girl Dantes was engaged to marry. When Mondiego got his chance to get young Dantes out of the way, he took it. I see. And what happened to those two, Danglars and Mondiego? Where have you been, my friend? Danglars is a millionaire, has a banking house of his own. Baron Danglars, he calls himself now. And Mondiego's a baron, too, with a home in Paris block wide. <laughs> They've done pretty well for themselves, they have. And this girl, the girl Edmund Dantes was betrothed to. Mercedes? Yes. Yes, that's her name. When Dantes was arrested, she was nearly mad with grief. Pitiful it was. Six months and no news of him. But still she waited and still no word from him. Then in the end, after a year, she married Mondiego. Now, now she is one of the greatest ladies in Paris. A year. She waited a year. Diego Danglars, de Villefort. Montiego Danglars, de Villefort. Harry! Yes, master? Harry here, 100,000 francs, spare no expense. Find out everything there is to know about these three, every move they've made. Yes, master. Find out about their homes, their wives, their children, friends. Yes, master. Find out where they got their power, how they made their money, whom they robbed, whom they cheated, whom they murdered. <laughs> One day in November, Baron Danglars, of the banking house of that name, received a visit from a new client. I have the honor of addressing the Count of Monte Cristo. You have, Baron Danglars. I have a letter of credit in your name, sir. But according to this letter, the Count of Monte Cristo is to have unlimited credit. And what is there in that simple fact that requires explanation? Uh, merely that, um, unlimited... Well, I assure you, should you at any time be hard-pressed, were you even to require a million francs? A million? My dear sir, excuse my smiling when you speak of a sum that I am in the habit of carrying in my pocketbook. Well, I admit I'm hardly accustomed yes, to... Yes, if you'd prefer not to handle this account, Baron, you need have no scruples in declining. Oh, I assure you, I never... You merely but... wish to be convinced that your stockholders ran no risk. I understand, Baron, they include some of the greatest names in France. The Duke de Mondiego, the Baron de Villefort. It is not generally known that these gentlemen... Of course, of course, of course, of course. Now we understand each other. She'd like to draw tomorrow the sum of, shall we say, six million francs. Half gold, half notes. Six million francs. As you say, sir. If I should require more, I will let you know. Uh, and, and uh, by the by, uh, purchase me tomorrow 10,000 shares of Austrian Commonwealth. Uh, you have some uh, information about this stock? 
You'll find, sir, that I never gamble, except in certainties. Mon Diego. You're late, Villefort. I hope it's something good this time, Danglars. We need it. Just arrived. A private message for the Count of Monte Cristo. Does he know we intercept his messages, Danglars? Who cares? The secret treaty has been signed tonight. Anglo-Italian shares, you sharp rise. Buy all available shares. Well? We are going to buy. Danglars, I'm worried. Everything we've touched has gone wrong lately. Those belts... We've got to plunge, gentlemen. If it were not for the Count of Monte Cristo's deposit, we have been bankrupt. If that money should be called for today or tomorrow or the next day, this bank is ruined. Danglars, I don't see what that has to do with us. You don't? Well, if I go, you go. All of you. I propose to buy every share of Anglo-Italian that comes into the market. With what? My friends, you forget. The Count of Monte Cristo has 16 million francs on deposit in this bank. And what about this message of his? Does the Count of Monte Cristo get to see it? This message, gentlemen, was lost in transmission. Rarely has Paris been more intrigued than it was that winter by the mysterious Count of Monte Cristo. It was at the end of December that a great ball was given in his honor by the Baron Danglars. Monte Monte Cristo? Contessa de We have missed you. In so short a time, madame. A strange thought occurred to me. Yes, madame? It seems to me that you've been gone longer than I can say. It's an odd idea, Count, but I cannot shake it off. You must forgive me, madame, Montego. I have an appointment with your husband. Tell me who you are. Madame... I'm the Count of Monte Cristo. And the world is mine. Congratulations, Danglars. A good day's work. How much did we buy of Anglo-Italian? 62,000 shares. Who was selling? I don't know. Couldn't find out. Baron Danglars? Yes? The Count of Monte Cristo would like a word with you. Tell him I can't see him. Good evening, gentlemen. A delightful party. I hope I don't intrude. Danglars, if you four. Mon Diego, how fortunate, gentlemen. I'm here to say goodbye to all three of you. Goodbye? I have decided to leave Paris for a while, perhaps forever. Before I go, there are certain things I have left to do. Baron Danglars, my credit on your books as of tonight is 16 million francs. That's about 4 million to cover certain stocks I sold short today. It is a check for 10 million francs made out to cash. I will take half in gold and half in notes. But surely... I beg your pardon? Such a very large Oh, sum. by the way, Baron, you may be interested to learn that less than an hour ago, Anglo-Italian went into liquidation. But, but that means... It means that you three gentlemen are ruined. It means that but... you, Danglars, have robbed the poor and helpless for the last time. I'll prosecute you for this. I'll issue a warrant for your arrest. I don't think you will, Baron de Villefort. Since noon today, there has been in the hands of the Minister of Justice a complete record of the career of Baron de Villefort. Spy, thief, forger, oh. informer... Who are you? Who am I? Still, you do not know? I know you very well, Fernando Diego. And tomorrow all Paris will know you for what you are. Deserter, traitor, murderer. Who are you? What have we done to you? You condemn me to slow death. You deprive me of love, of freedom, of happiness. Stop! What is your name? I have but to pronounce it to strike you to my feet. Look at me, Fernando Diego. I am the specter of a wretch you buried in the dungeons of the Chateau Deep. You guess it now, do you not? Or rather, you remember it. For notwithstanding all my sorrows and my tortures, I show you now a face which the happiness of revenge makes young again. A face you must often have seen in your dreams since your marriage. Fernando Mondiego with Mercedes, my betrothed. You are... Yes! 
I am Edmund Dantes. Baroness Mondiego. Yes, Count. Your husband has been detained. There are matters of urgency which will not permit him to leave this house. May I see you to your carriage? Count Monte Cristo, I asked you a question. I wonder if your answer was the truth. Madame. The girl who made you suffer. I asked you if you have forgiven her. Oh, yes. I've forgiven her. And those who separated you? Do you still wish to punish them? Madame, they have been punished. But my answer is still the same. It is not I who punished them. It was their own past. back in just a few seconds to tell you about next week's production of the Mercury Summer Theater. But first, the makers of Pabst Blue Ribbon wish to remind you that though you may not be able to get Pabst Blue Ribbon every time you want it in these days of grain restrictions, it is well worth your while to keep asking. For every bottle you do get will continue to live up to its name. There will be no cutting of corners, no lowering of standards of flavor or goodness, no compromise with quality. This truly great beer will be, as always, the happy blending of never less than 33 fine brews. As always, blended, splendid Pops Blue Ribbon. Now, here is Orson West. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you a classic of radio, The Hitchhiker by Lucille Fletcher. At the same time, next week, same station, please join us. Until then, speaking for my sponsors, the makers of Pops Blue Ribbon Beer and for Bernard Herman, who composes and conducts our music, as always. And indeed, for all of us in the Mercury Theater, I remain, as always, obediently yours. came to you through the courtesy of the Paps Brewing Company at Milwaukee, Wisconsin, makers of blended, splendid Paps Blue Ribbon. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.